0: The old adage goes the transfer portal giveth and the transfer portal taketh Well, this weekend the transfer portal giveth to BYU. You are locked on Cougars your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars part of the locked on podcast network your team every day What's up, my friends? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys making it a part of your routine whenever you listen and or watch it, whether you're watching it on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and the like. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. This episode is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Visit fanduel.com slash today to get started. All right. As I mentioned in the open, the transfer portal has delivered in a big way for the BYU football and basketball programs. We're going to approach today's show in chronological order. And that means we'll start off with football Friday afternoon. Some of you probably saw it. AJ Vong Pachon originally uh, from Utah state, a native of Pasco Washington, a guy that BYU very much wanted to have a member of their football program this fall officially announced via social media that he has committed to the BYU football program. Now, so you're probably wondering how good can this guy really be if he's playing at Utah State? Well, I'll tell you this much: Utah State's defense the past two years has really been a lot better than BYU's was, and a big part of that was a guy like Vong Pachon, who was a fantastic middle linebacker for the Utah State Aggies. He obviously, had guys like M.J. Tafisi around him as well this past year. Daniel Grishik, another one of their star uh, pass rushers, but it seems like the backbone of that Utah State defense was number ten, AJ Vong Pachon, and I think he brings that backbone that BYU needs. In in their defense. He is a guy that totaled 101 total tackles this past year for Utah State, two sacks, two forced fumbles, as well as three pass breakups. He also I believe had 10 uh let's see what we got here. i apologize, 10 tackles, 10 and a half tackles for loss this past year as well for Utah State. He's been all academic uh, academic all Mountain West Conference all four years, he has played for Utah State since 2019, so academically fits right in at BYU. And the nice part is he is going to come in and expect to be a starter from day one, as he should with the BYU football program. The biggest thing I like about Vong Pachan is he picked BYU over a number of other Power 5 suitors, South Carolina, Minnesota, and Washington State among them. I had actually heard in the lead-up to him making his decision that Washington State was the favorite. He was a guy that got along very well with Frank Miley, who had obviously been the Trim head coach, as well as a longtime assistant at Utah State, who is now at Washington State. And there was some thought that the thought of going home to the state of Washington, where he's from Pasco, as I mentioned, at Washington, he is a native of that city. I thought that Washington State may win out in the end, but it is the BYU Cougars rather than the Wazoo Cougars who win out for Vong Pachon. As I mentioned, very much a guy who is a great backbone here for the BYU defense and why I say that is he comes in and he is a guy who is a true middle linebacker in every sense of the word. Yes, can he rush the passer as evidenced by his ability to get sacks and disrupt play? Yes, he can do that, but he does it in the middle of the football field. He is the type of guy that is going to allow BYU's defense under Jay Hill to go out and allow guys like Ben Bywater and more importantly Max Tuli to play to their strengths, chiefly their ability to play on the edge and in a way freelance and make big plays out there uh, at, at their linebacker at their respective linebacker positions. I love this pickup for BYU football. I think Vong Pachon is exactly what they were looking for. Obviously, BYU was looking for seasoned uh, players, actual depth at the linebacker position, and that's exactly what Vong Pachon offers to this BYU defense. Am I expecting them to make wholesale changes to the defensive structure they have put in place over spring ball to accommodate a guy like Vong Pachon? No, I think he's going to come in and fit into exactly what Jay Hill is looking for. Justin Enna, BYU's linebacker coach, was actually his position coach and defensive coordinator for a time at Utah State. So if there is one person on the BYU staff who knows Vong Pachon's strengths, it is going to be Justin Enna, and I think that he will absolutely work to make sure that this guy fits in and obviously has an opportunity to go out there and star for the BYU defense. I don't know if I can reiterate it enough. I think this is a home run pickup for BYU. He's got one season. He wants to prove himself at the highest level of football he possibly can and he gets that shot in the Big 12 with BYU While all the while making the BYU defense that much better going into the Big 12 era. Now BYU also lost uh, two other players along with Dean Jones to the transfer portal on Friday as well. One of them a linebacker and Logan Peely announcing that he's entering the transfer portal that does thin out the linebacker room but Logan Peely had been running consistently Consistently with the second and third stringers all spring camp long. Do I think he could have developed into a very nice piece for BYU's defense? Yes, I do, but it appears that he thinks his fortunes are better suited elsewhere, and you wish him nothing but the best. They also lost George Udo, who announced he'll be pursuing a graduate transfer out of the BYU football program. Udo was a guy that I was uber high on when he was coming uh, to BYU. Udo, Uber, you get it? No, I'm just joking, but when he came to BYU, he actually fit in very nicely with that BYU defense. I think most notably that 2020 season. There are so many games during that season where Udo showed up in big spots, playing that hybrid linebacker/safety role that he was accustomed to playing for the BYU defense. But over the past year plus, and obviously during spring ball, he had slid down the depth chart and was seeing more, less and less playing time as time went on. So he will be looking to play elsewhere, and I think that there will be a program that can use his ability to play that hybrid spot, if not just an outright safety, and. I I hope that he finds a good landing spot for himself, potentially closer to home in the Bay Area out there in California, maybe like a San Jose State, et cetera. But the thing about George Udo is it felt like after his ACL injury at the tail end of that 2020 season, he just never got back to being the same player that he was. The the game that I will forever remember associated with George Udo was the Houston game in 2020. You recall that game, BYU, got off to a slow start, but George Udo became just an absolute missile coming from all over the field, rushing the passer, making plays in space. That is what the best of George Udo can offer. And unfortunately, we've just not seen that since that ACL injury. And you hope that he can get back to that form at some point in his playing career. Logan Peely, like I said, it hurts to lose another linebacker. But I think you have the Kafusis, Ace and Micah Kafusi, who are consistently running ahead of him in the pecking order. And he decided his fortunes were best found elsewhere. His older brother Keenan was, as we all know, a former star for this BYU defense, transferred to the University of Tennessee. I wonder if Logan may be able to latch on with the volunteers, but we'll be able to track that and see how it goes. But you wish all those players, including Dean Jones as well, their best. But the simple fact of the matter is typically when you lose three and add one, the math is not working in your favor. I believe in this circumstance, though, the way that A.J. Vong Pachan will be fitting into this defense, his overall ability to play, because he's been, he's been a consistent contributor for Utah State, if not an outright star, for four seasons. He is coming in, he is expecting to do big things in a BYU uniform, So in this circumstance, losing three and adding one, I think the one outweighs the three, and I don't think it's even close. I think A.J. Vong Pachon is a home run get for the BYU offense. Now, BYU basketball also got some great news. That came yesterday afternoon slash evening with Ali Khalifa. The big man BYU has been hoping to land in the transfer portal. He announced he will be a BYU Cougar. We're going to talk about the potential impact of this young man on Mark Pope's squad going into the Big 12 momentarily. First a word on our friends over at FanDuel though. Our friends over at FanDuel have been working on this for months and all obviously you know that Grand Slams, No Hitters and Double Plays are back. That means baseball and Major League Baseball in particular is back and there's no better place to get in on all the MLB action than at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, new customers, you can get up to $1,000 back in a no sweat first bet offer from our friends at FanDuel. What it is, you've got to go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up now, place your first bet and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. Think about that. If you don't win, you get that money back. The best part is you can bet on individual players in any given game, season-long trends, money line spread. No matter what you're looking for in the Major League Baseball realm, they've got it for you at FanDuel. So don't miss out on your chance to get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 back when you join FanDuel today. Just go to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up now. Once again, that's fanduel.com slash locked on to check it out. That's FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. You guys are absolutely phenomenal for your support seeing more and more of your guys' comments, uh, sharing this with your family and friends and all that stuff. Thank you for doing it, but a quick reminder for you guys to be be sure that you are an everydayer right here on the podcast, listening and or watching every single day, and I can't thank you enough for that support. Uh, I promised on Friday we were going to play an interview uh, with Kingsley Suoamata'ia, but due to the news involving the transfer portal, I've decided, you know what, I'm making an executive decision. We'll push that to tomorrow's podcast. A great chat with BYU's next star left tackle. What what is he expected to do in a BYU uniform? Tune in tomorrow and you'll hear that conversation exclusively right here on Locked on Cougars. Alright, on to BYU basketball. The news yesterday coming that BYU basketball has landed a big commitment, and literally a big commitment in Ali Khalifa, the native of Alexandria, Egypt, uh, coming to BYU by way of the Charlotte 49ers. A honorable mention, all-conference honoree this past year for Charlotte as they won the CBI. Uh, so this is a kid who's accustomed to winning. Six 6'11", 230 pounds. That's what he's listed at, if he's in if he's 6'10", uh, you still expect he's got the size the BYU's been craving on the interior of their lineup for the BYU basketball program. He's one of the top players for the 49ers. Once again, that won the CBI. He averaged 11.7 points, 6.3 rebounds, but more importantly, 2.7 assists. This is a big man who's got vision, who can uh, really run an offense if need be. He shot 51% overall from the field, but the bigger number also in that shooting percentage is 38% shooting from three. And these are not just small sample sizes. He was 48 of 126 from the three on the season. So that's fantastic to see him his ability to shoot the deep ball. I really like this pickup because the thing about a Khalifa is he's got elite size that BYU needs in the Big 12. He has the ability to defend, but also if he needs to, as they say, pick and pop, he goes up, sets a pick, and then uh, pops out to the three-point liner for a jumper. He's got the capability of hurting a defense by doing just that, and that is going to open up opportunities for BYU's Offense on the on on the offensive end of the court, and I think this is a big big pickup for the BYU basketball program. I've said it once, I'll say it again. I believe BYU needed a big man, a distributor as a point guard for BYU to take some pressure off Dallin Hall, and hopefully a perimeter guy like a wing who can just fill it up uh, shooting wise, uh, just points wise, I guess. Also, well, one of the three is locked in now with Ali Khalifa deciding that BYU is where he wants to be. As I mentioned, he's got international experience. He's played with the Egyptian national team and the youth level growing up here Uh, a guy like I said that is accustomed to playing high level division one basketball he won the CBI so he's won in the postseason with Charlotte your your opinion of the CBI may vary I don't think it's necessarily the most prestigious tournament out there it's far and away the third best uh, postseason tournament in college basketball but the fact that they ran through that tournament and won it, it's got to mean something. He's got two years of eligibility which is also a fantastic thing. He can come in and grow with the BYU uh, basketball program throughout their first two years in the Big 12 Conference. Does that mean he's going to come in and immediately be the the sensation that that is going to average five assists, go a double-double offensively and also on the glass? No, that doesn't mean that. But he's an important part of this offense for BYU, especially with the ability to allow like Fusini Traore to continue to develop his skills offensively and maybe play more of that four spot. I- I've talked about this on the podcast those of you who've checked it out on the regular that that Fus is a fantastic player. He's 6'6", he's 250 pounds, he's an absolute bull in the China shop, but the problem is there are times he'll go up against more athletic big men and uh, big men who are legit big men, 6'11", 7 footers like he will see every single game in the Big 12 and he got swallowed up and he was just ineffective against guys like that. A guy like Ali Khalifa comes in will allow BYU uh, to switch some of those guys off of Fus Triori and allow him to be more effective on more like-sized forwards out there on the on the basketball court. Obviously, I still like to see Fuseni Triori add a, a, a jump shot, the ability to step out to 18 feet, if not the three-point line, and make the three consistently. But the other thing about this is, is if Ali Khalifa, that shooting percentage from three, 38% for his career, uh, comes into BYU and it translates to the Big 12 level, that is going to open up the interior of the, Paint for a guy like Fuseni Triori to go up against maybe a smaller sized forward and score at the basket more effectively. I think this is a home run pickup, similar to the AJ Vong Pachon situation for BYU football. I think this is a fantastic pickup for Mark Pope and his squad, and it gets the transfer portal period off to the good start for the BYU basketball program. Now, they also uh, welcomed in Akian uh, Itajir We've talked about him on the podcast as well. He is a forward by way of Marquette. He is a member of the LDS Faith, the Church of Jesus Christ. Of Latter-day Saints. Uh, he talked to Vanquish the Phone, Robbie McCombs. Uh, he said this, it was great to visit and see the campus. The coaches like my athleticism. The program offers a lot of support outside of basketball. The campus and facilities were very nice. Unquote. And BYU is one of the two schools he is considering, apparently, according to what Robbie McCombs wrote. It has essentially come down to BYU or Northern Kentucky. Now, Itajir is going to be a guy who's a little bit more of a project. He's got great size. six foot nine, one 190 pounds. He's bulked up in his time at Marquette, but his not seen a ton of time playing for the Golden Eagles, and he still would be a guy that you're probably going to have to develop his skill set. But it sounds like he would be a low-risk, potential high-reward option because he is considering a walk-on offer from BYU versus a scholarship offer at Northern Kentucky. So if BYU can get a guy like Kean Itajir as a, as a walk-on, that's a great pickup because he's a high-level, three-star prospect coming out of high school. He's played in the Big East with Marquette. He's trained with some of the best uh, players out there because Marquette Was a fantastic player, uh, not a fantastic player, a fantastic team this past year, albeit uh, jumping out of the or dumping out of the NCAA tournament early. But I think this is a fantastic, fantastic game. pickup if he if they can get it into the program as a walk-on because like I said it's no skin off their back so to say if he just if he does not pan out because he's only a walk-on he's not taking up a scholarship spot going into the Big 12. And the final note on the basketball front for BYU and this is another scoop uh, by Robbie McCombs who continues to kill it. We're working on getting him on the podcast so don't worry we will have him on soon. But he said that Deshaun Jackson has a uh, visited BYU he did that this past weekend uh, Jackson also a big man even bigger than Ali Khalifa six foot ten 250 pounds. We're talking an absolute rock in the middle of BYU's uh, team if they can get a guy like this into the program. Now, he has missed this entire past year due to a medical uh, situation. He's had other injuries during his career. He does have three years of eligibility remaining, so if BYU were able to land him, that would be actually a nice pickup. He does have experience playing against BYU. When BYU took on Washington State in the NIT at the tail end of the 2022 season, uh, 2021-2022 season, you guys know what I'm talking about. He scored 14 points and had 7 rebounds against BYU so he's got experience playing against BYU had success against them and it sounds like it's coming down to ASU and BYU and there should be a decision by April 21st so later this week in his case Uh, I really think this would be another solid pickup for BYU you get two elite big men uh, two at least two Okay, at least probably a strong term, but two capable big men and actual big men. That's one thing about this. BYU has been undersized on the front uh, front court uh, for a while now. Atiki Ali Atiki is 6'9", 210 pounds, and, and a, 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 I think a solid player, but he lacks the beef that BYU needs on the interior. Now, that's what a guy like Fusani Triori brings because he weighs 250, 260 pounds, but he's only 6'5". So... You needed guys who have the height and size combination that you're looking for going into the Big 12. And that's what a guy, Ali Khalifa, already locked in with BYU. And if Deshaun Jackson decides that BYU is where he's going to be at, you've essentially just landed your two twin towers going into Big 12 play. They would be players that could play off of each other because Deshaun Jackson is a guy who does most of his work around the rim. He's a rebounder. Like I said, he's just a load on the inside. Whereas a guy like Ali Khalifa has the ability to go into the uh, high uh, – call it the, the high court the I don't know what I'm trying to describe it necessarily, as the ability to go uh, just and play more of a role as a distributor and a playmaker versus simply being the guy on the low block for BYU. He can go up uh, to the free throw line and essentially have a guy toss him the ball and he can use his uh, height and length to find other players and distribute that basketball while uh, also being able to defend the rim at a high level and rebound at a high level. This would be a really, really nice uh, kind of one-two combo on the interior for BYU if they can land both of them. We'll see what happens with Deshaun Jackson, as I said. He says his decision is coming up later this week. But the good news is they already have Ali Khalifa locked in. I think, like I said, that's, that's one of the three on the wish list I had for BYU basketball. And I think this might be the most important of the bunch because, like I said, they have lacked size on the interior, and that's what the Big 12. If you were a Big 12 team and you're scouting BYU right now, what are you looking at? You're looking at a team, you're saying, you know what, we're going to beat the absolute living crap out of them on the inside. BYU needed some big men in the middle to deter Big 12 teams from doing that. And Ali Khalifa is a great, great start uh, at doing that. But he brings so many different tools to to the ability. The ability to shoot the three, to pick and pop, to go to the rim when needed, but also have the size to defend the rim on the interior. I think this is a marvelous pickup for Mark Pope, and i got to tip my cap to him. He's He's got the the transfer portal uh, swirling a bit here for BYU, and this, to me, maybe is the best pickup for BYU in the transfer portal since his first year, potentially. I know there have been some guys that BYU's picked up in the past that we were very, very high on. I'm not sure that any of them have the accolades that a guy like Ali Khalifa has, and that should excite you as a Cougar fan uh, going into next basketball season. Maybe let's just put it this way. Let me also add this. If they continue to do this work in the transfer portal and get all the pieces I think they need to land in the transfer portal, the Big 12 in basketball is still going to be an absolute bear trap for BYU to navigate. But it may not be as daunting as it looked like at the outset. Let's put it that way. And that 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 is a positive step for Mark Pope and his staff moving forward here in the transfer portal period. All right. Coming up here in a moment, we'll round out today's show with news and notes on other BYU teams and how they performed over the weekend. BYU men's volleyball, are they back? Are they among the nation's elite? Can they make a run for a national title this year? Just a year removed from one of their worst seasons, quite literally, in about 20-plus years. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about BYU baseball and softball. And also, a look back at a pretty important game in BYU's 2015 season, albeit a loss. We'll get to all of that momentarily. First, a word on our friends over at Perry Homes. Whether you're looking for your first home or you're ready to upgrade your dream home, Perry Homes has a house for you. For 50 years, Perry Homes has been Utah's premier home builder with communities throughout the state. They have many communities, home designs, and price points to help meet your needs, my friends. The best part is they got beautiful communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, and Utah counties. And if you want to live in the southern part of the state, they have multiple communities in Washington County near St. George as well if you crave that red rock experience. The best part is they have over 50 unique home designs from Ramblers to two stories to townhomes to help fit your needs. And They even have quick move-in homes available now if you're ready to move right away. They're also offering generous financing incentives to their preferred lender if you want to get started on that front as well. So visit perryhomesutah.com to see what's new in Utah's finest neighborhoods. That's perryhomesUtah.com to learn more now. For 50 years, Utah has been coming home to Perry Homes. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. As I mentioned a little earlier on, if you have not done so already, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening or follow button. Uh, it depends on which uh, podcast provider or if you're watching this on YouTube. Make sure you follow along. Enable notifications so that way you guys know when a new episode drops. They typically drop in the overnight hours. I like to drop them most of the time at like midnight uh, mountain time. so would be 2 a.m. for those of you on the East Coast and I guess 11 for on the West Coast. And even out in Hawaii, it might be like, what? Ten o'clock? No, that'd be no, it'd be nine o'clock out on the on the, uh, out on Hawaii time, but. Regardless, thank you for your support of the venture as always, and please continue to share it with your family and friends. I've seen a really nice uptick in terms of our overall interaction with the show, so it's a credit to all of you out there in Cougar Nation and your support of the podcast. Alright, before we go on today's show, let's recap some of the other news from the weekend at hand. Uh, number 6 ranked BYU Volleyball capped a 14-0 uh, home record this season with a 3-0 sweep of number 8 Stanford on Saturday night on Senior Night for the Cougars. A fantastic season for BYU men's volleyball. Uh, they are now uh, headed into the MPSF tournament that will be actually being held at Stanford. And the Cardinal are very motivated for this past weekend because they are hosting the MPSF tournament out there at Maples Pavilion. They easily could have been the number two seed, which BYU no, now occupies after BYU's back-to-back wins over Stanford at home. Uh, they are going to take on number seven seed Concordia in the corner finals on April 19th. That'll be Wednesday. It'll be at 3 o'clock Pacific time, 4 o'clock Mountain Time. If you want to tune into that, the second round of the tournament is on Thursday, and then the championship being played on Saturday, all out there in, in Stanford. Uh, it will be, uh, you can check it out live. Flow Sports has got the coverage of the MPSF tournament, or you can follow the action on Stat Broadcast. Links to all of that are on BYUcougars.com. Now, it was an up-and-down weekend for the BYU baseball and softball teams. We'll start off with the good news. BYU baseball took two of three uh, in their series out there at Santa Clara, losing the opener 11-6, but bouncing back with 13-8 and and a 5-4 victory on Saturday to win this series. It's a very important series for BYU because it keeps them very much in the thick of the West Coast Conference race. The Cougars, they may be 14-20 overall, but they are, more importantly, 7-8 overall on the season. They actually dropped Santa Clara to a, the same type of record as them, 7-8. Seven, seven and eight. It's an important series win for BYU because should it come down to tiebreakers and the like for the West Coast Conference postseason baseball tournament, that series win for BYU over Santa Clara could loom very, very large for the Cougars. So a nice showing for them. Uh, They're going to be back in action tomorrow as they welcome Utah to Miller Park. That'll be a 6 o'clock first pitch on the BYU TV app and BYU radio. So check that out. They actually have seven straight home games over the next two weeks for BYU baseball. So best of luck uh, to the baseball program. Now, on, on the downer side of things, BYU softball is very accustomed to being a, the top dog in the West Coast Conference. They have been that since the inception of the softball league in the West Coast Conference. But they did get upended this past weekend as they went down a uh, to LMU and actually lost two of three uh, to the Lions. They lost the series opener 3-2 on Friday. They then lost the, the, the day part of the day-night doubleheader on Saturday – five to two. They did avoid the series sweep with a five two victory of their own in the nightcap of that doubleheader on Saturday, but it does drop BYU's overall league record to four and two. And should it come down to it, LMU would have this the what do they call it, the tiebreaker. At the end of the season, by virtue of the two victories over the Cougars, uh, BYU softball is 22 and 12 overall on the season. They got a huge game, by the way, today. Number five ranked Stanford coming off a, a sweep at the hands of Utah up in Salt Lake City makes a quick trip down to Provo to take on BYU. It'll be a one o'clock first pitch for BYU on the BYU TV app if you want to check it out. Or if you don't have anything going on a Monday afternoon and some great weather, by the way, uh, mid 70s here along the Wasatch Front, if you want to get down to uh, Provo and watch BYU softball, All BYU softball home games are free admission, so you can go watch some BYU softball action, and hopefully uh, they can uh, pick up a big win over fifth-ranked Stanford. Once again, it's a 1 o'clock first pitch for BYU. All right, now, final note before we go on today's show is that we're continuing to look back at all 155 games BYU played as an independent football program, and we're getting towards the tail end of the 2015 season, and there was a game in that run that BYU had a big time of matchup against Missouri. Now, I remember when this game was announced, we were all excited for it, as as Cougar fans and media alike, because this was going to be a a chance for BYU to play an SEC team in the month of November. I know it wasn't a home game, but BYU was making a trip to Kansas City, to Arrowhead Stadium, obviously the home field of the Kansas City Chiefs, to take on the Missouri Tigers, and Missouri was coming into this game. uh, They lost four straight, if I recall correctly, coming into this game, and many of you might recall during this period there were so many protests going on with the University of Missouri. Their chancellor, the university president, had resigned in the wake of these. Uh, There was some thought that the BYU, not the BYU, the Missouri football team who had partaken in some of these protests may ultimately decide to not play this game. Uh, Gary Pinkle, uh, the head coach of Missouri at the time, who'd already announced that he was stepping down at the end of the season. Uh, Got his troops rallied and they showed up there at Kansas City. But there were so many distractions for Missouri in this game. The thought was, okay, BYU has got a team that has lost a bunch here. And obviously if they could uh, pick up a win, it would legitimize a lot of what BYU had done in the 2015 season. They were 7-2 and coming into this game. It had a good season, speaking of the Cougars, but they had those really tough losses uh, to Michigan and UCLA in the month of September. And in some ways, uh, this will legitimize their five-game winning streak had they been able to knock off Missouri. Unfortunately, that did not materialize as BYU found it very tough to run against the Missouri defense. As a team, BYU just 15 carries for 46 yards. They'd have one touchdown, that coming by way of Algie Brown, who had 42 of the 46 yards rushing. Uh, Tanner Mangum tried to do his part, uh, completing 23 of 41 passes for 244 yards and one touchdown. But BYU just unable to really get their offense going to any large degree. Degree in this game, it was a six-three game of ball t- uh, at, at, at halftime. Excuse me. BYU got a touchdown in the third quarter to go up ten to six, but then going into the fourth quarter, Missouri uh, scored two touchdowns and essentially salted the game away. Uh, Russell Hansborough ran for 117 yards. Drew Locke, the future NFL quarterback, was a freshman but did complete 19 of 28 passes, 244 yards, one touchdown, one interception. But they ended up winning. Speaking of Missouri, 20 to 16, and it's one of those games you look back on and say, "Man." With all the things going on around this game... Why in the world could BYU uh, not get over the hump in this one? It's just, it's unfortunate they could not do that. Uh, Gary Pinkle uh, got the victory. Actually, no, I i was—I actually misread this. He got the victory one day after announcing he is stepping down from his job. So he, he had just barely announced, hey, he had had a lymphoma uh, diagnosis, the cancer, obviously, earlier on in the year, and then announced he was stepping away. And I know that there's the win-win for the Gipper type thing, but it was just all of the distractions going on with Missouri. That's a game that BYU, that 25 Fifteen season that could have gone a long way to really help him BYU legitimize uh, their record that season. Obviously, the Cougars would bounce back, and we'll talk about a win over Fresno State uh, coming up on tomorrow's podcast. But just one of those games, with all of the storylines and everything going on around Missouri, uh, some of it leaked on to BYU. There are people saying that uh, the LDS Church was involved. It's so many different things. So many different storylines with that game. Just unfortunately, a missed opportunity for BYU to go out and get a victory. But you need a run game. Honestly, if you only run for 40-plus yards in a college football game, it's going to be really really difficult for you to win that game, and that's exactly what BYU ran into in that matchup. Micah Hanman did have an interception. and ret- returned 29 yards in that game, but just wasn't enough. just was not enough for BYU to get out of there with a victory and obviously a missed opportunity in the 2015 season. Alright, there you go. You are up to speed on everything going on in BYU sports, so once again, thank you for making us your first listen to the day. Make sure you be coming every day or join us every single day here on the podcast. As promised, uh, I know I promised it today, but I had to push it off to tomorrow. Kingsley Sumo Mataiya, the former uh, right tackle, now left tackle for BYU. Could he make BYU 3-for-3 in their last three left tackles going to the NFL? Well, he talks about that and a whole lot more, and we'll have that for you guys on tomorrow's podcast. So until then, have a great rest of your day, my friends. This has been the Locked on Cougars podcast. See ya.